All the Bible's true, all of it. From Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't have any error in it. The Bible is the infallible, inerrant word of God. And you know what it says about itself? It says the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Divides asunder your soul from your spirit, your joints and your marrow. And it is a discerner, the word of God, of the thoughts and intentions of your heart. You know, I've been preaching the word of God for 58 years. And I can honestly say to you, I believe in it more today than I did 58 years ago. Because I've seen the power of God's word. I've seen lives changed. People healed. God restored marriages. So we realize, man, that the reason people are so afraid of the Bible and so afraid of Jesus is because of the power that is in the risen Christ. And the truth I'm going to share with you today you know, when you know something, it's, 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 it's so vital to living the Christian life. You say, well, God, just give people understanding. Let them hear what the, word, the Spirit is saying to the church. So I, I pray today that, that you'll hear, not just with your intellect, but you will hear with your heart the Word of God this morning. You know, some people use the beginning of a new year to make a New Year's resolutions. Uh, I, that's good. They say it's a new start, so I'm going to do some things differently. And you know, a New Year's resolution is good if you have the discipline and the willpower to carry it out. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, and, uh, and some people use it to set goals. Well, I've got some goals for my life this year. And these are my goals, and this is how I'm going to reach them. Well, that's good. But I don't, I don't want to talk to you this morning about a New Year's resolution or a goals for a new year. I want to talk to you about a lifetime resolution. It is a resolution that you need to make for your life. And for the rest of your life, a lifetime revolution, resolution. You know, in the, in the word of God, Paul, just in his writings, basically made two significant resolutions, but they were all one. But you need to understand the resolution that Paul made was not for a day or a week or a month. I think it was, I know it was for his life. He said, this is the way I want to live my life. This is my goal for the life that God has given me on this earth. Let's look at them and then let's explain them. The first one is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I'm not, look carefully at the screen. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He said, I have, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. It's not complete. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But listen to this. You're talking about a single mind? This 
one thing I do. Do we ever get to the place that our minds are so cluttered that's not, not just one thing on our mind? But he said, but this one thing I do. Listen to this. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things which are ahead. And then he goes on and says, this is his resolution. I pressed, I press. Man, he said, I'm serious about this. It is a passion in my life. I'm in a pursuit. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Jesus Christ. You know, he said, I'm pressing toward it now. I'm pursuing it with all my heart. And you know what it is? It is the prize of the goal of the upward call of God. What is that? What is the upward call of God? Of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Well, so what was his lifetime resolution? I'm pressing toward the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Then you get over to first to Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine. Now you can't achieve this goal until you've achieved the first one. But listen to what he says. Therefore, we make it our aim that whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. You'll see in a few moments that in the first eight verses, Paul was talking about going to heaven. And he said, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. He said, but until I get to heaven, my aim is that my life will be well-pleasing to God. You know, that's two good goals. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus and to be well-pleasing to the Lord. What two lifetime resolutions we need to learn and we need to live by. Well, let's look first of all at Philippians 3.13. It talks about Brethren, I have not apprehended, but he tells us there's some things we need to forget. Listen to what he said. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Did you know, if you're going to know the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, there's some things you've got to forget. Oh, yeah. Some people can never move forward with their life. Because they're absolutely hung up, bogged down, and paralyzed by their past. But Paul could have been. Oh, he could have been. He said, but listen, if I'm going to know the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, there's some things I've got to forget. You know, boy, I tell you what. He had, you know, you know some things we have to forget. And, and the enemy... Wants to remind us of them all the time. You know, the Bible teaches that we're going to have to forget. When we are forgiven, stay with me. When we are forgiven. When we say to God, this is a sin. I acknowledge it. I'm responsible for that sin. I blame it on no one else. But I ask your forgiveness. 
And I claim the precious blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for me, for my forgiveness. I confess my sin, and you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so once we repent of our sins, then we've got to remember that we just got to forget them. Learn from them, yes, that sin has consequences. But we've got to learn not to live bogged down with past sins. In other words, if you can't move on from your past sins and failures, you'll never reach the upward goal of God in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you something. Do you constantly remember the failures and the sins and the wrong choices and the bad ways? I want to tell you, that's not God reminding you of that. That is not God. Oh, no. In fact, you know one of the glorious truths of the New Testament? Paul had to forget some things in his past or he would have never gone on. I want you to notice some verses. In 1 Timothy 1, chapter 12, verses 7 through 17, look at Paul. He had to forget this. He just told us this so he would know the completeness of God's forgiveness. He said, and I, th- and I thank Jesus, Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Then look, look on what he said. Although I was formerly, I used to be, although I was formerly a blasphemer, Ooh. a persecutor, putting Christians in jail, an insolent man. Man, what if Paul had lived with that every day? A blasphemer, cursing God, a, 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 a persecutor, persecuting Christians. Don't you know that Paul had to just receive the, the forgiveness of God and ask God to remove it from his mind when he was standing there holding the coat of that godly deacon named Stephen? And Stephen had bore witness that Jesus was the Christ and the Pharisees were stoning him to death. And Paul held his coat until Stephen drew his last breath. What if he hadn't been able to forget that? What if he hadn't been able to move on from that? But God gave him the grace. And he said, I'm telling you, I had to forget some things behind. He said, although I was a formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. There were some things that he had to forget. He says, and the grace of God, talking about his sin, and the grace of God was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hey, I don't know how you're dealing with your past, but I'll tell you one of the glorious truths in the New Testament is that, you know, we're living under the new covenant. Now, the old covenant, the law came through Moses, The Old Covenant was based on law, the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. And they're still true today, and they are still, uh, it is still our obligation to obey them. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And while we're not living under the law, the moral law of God is still good. And while we're not living under a covenant of law, That doesn't mean the moral law of God is not right. But we're in a new covenant. 
And it's based on better promises. And these promises were made by Jesus. So I want you to listen to the new covenant. This will encourage you. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Now, that's in Timothy. We need to move on. I was going to say that. Move on to Hebrews. Let's do that. I messed them up because I left out some verses. But it's not my fault. But anyway, Hebrews 10. All right, now listen to this. We're living under a new covenant based on better promises. It's a covenant of grace and truth. This is the covenant I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts. I'll write my laws in their hearts. Before the law was on tablets of stone. But when Jesus comes into our heart, God takes the law and writes them in our hearts. And we obey God, not because of the outside pressure, but because of the inner change in my heart. He says, and this is a covenant I will make with them in those days. I will write my law in their hearts and in their minds. And listen to this. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Did you know when Christ Jesus came to live in you, and I hope he has, and you repented and asked God's forgiveness, and he washed your sins away with the blood of Jesus, you know what? God forgave you, and he forgot about them. Oh, you mean, Brother Fred, he doesn't remember? No, no, listen to me. That's the covenant. Your sins and iniquities, I will remember No more. So if God's forgotten them, why do you keep bringing them up? Why do you keep thinking about them? Why do you keep them letting bog you down? Listen, if you are going to achieve the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, you have to forget. You have to forget some things. You have to forget some things. All right. But also, here's the second thing. If you're going to realize the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, uh, he said, I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Not only are there some things you've got to forget, there are some things you've got to remember. And see, it's important what we forget, but it is also important what we remember. And boy, I'll tell you that Paul really gets strong in this. This is what you have to remember. If you don't, you're going to fail. If you don't, you're going to get knocked off your feet. If if you don't, you're going to say, why in the world doesn't a Christian life work for me? One thing that you've got to remember is this. You can have no confidence in your flesh. No confidence in your flesh. No confidence in your own good works. No confidence in your own religious rights. No. You see, that's where... God had to bring Paul from. He was Saul at that time. God had to bring him to the place where he had no confidence in his flesh, no confidence in his good works, no confidence in his religious rights, and his confidence was only in Christ. Look at Philippians chapter uh, 3, verses 3 through 6. All right? Now look at his, what he was. Look at his religious credentials. He says, We're the circumcision, Jews, who worship God in spirit, rejoice in in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. I'll never be righteous by my own efforts. 
And he goes on and says, if anybody could be confident with me, look what he said. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he can have confidence, how much more me? And then he talks about his, who he was. Listen to what he was. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He said, man, I'm telling you, I was a, born a Jew into the Jewish religion and family. And I, my, what baptism is to New Testament, circumcision was to the Old Testament. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Now get this. Concerning the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. Paul said, you think that you can have confidence in your flesh? You think you could trust in your own religious rites and ceremonies? Well, you know, I was raised in a, in a Baptist family. I grew up in a Baptist church and I went to vacation Bible school. All that is wonderful. And I got baptized. And that's good if you were saved when you got. He said, and that's kind of what Paul was saying. But he said, listen, I, I, I couldn't trust in that. I couldn't trust in that. He says, all of my religious rites, all of my good works, everything, the confidence I had in what I did amounted to nothing. And he says, I want you to know I have no confidence in the flesh. And said, in fact, compared to what I have now, they were garbage. Look at what he says. But the things that were gained to me, Hebrew of the Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, persecutor of the law, blameless, what things were gained to me, I, made them, I have counted them lost for Christ. I gave them all up. He goes on and says, yes, indeed, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And get this, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as garbage that I may gain Christ. He was Saul of Tarsus, Hebrew of the Hebrews, studied under the wisest Jewish scholars. And buddy, he was the hero, hero of the Pharisees. But one day, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he realized that all of his good works, all of his religious rites, all of his ceremonies were nothing. They could do nothing. They could never make him righteous. They could never save him. They could never make him acceptable to God. And so you know what he did? He turned his back on, on that religion and on his own good works. And I'm going to tell you something. It cost him everything. It cost him his family. It cost him his friends. Oh, listen, the hero was now the bad guy because he had left a lifeless religion and had come to a strong personal faith in Jesus Christ. And man, I want you to know it cost him. But he goes on and says, he says, what things were gained to me, which were in Philippians 3, 7 through 9, uh, I counted loss for Christ. Here it is. He gave it all up. Why? Now, don't, don't miss this. This is the, one of the greatest truths in all the Bible. I gave it all up, did, quit trusting in my flesh that I might be found in Jesus. 
He said, I want to be found in Jesus. I want to stand in Jesus, not having my own righteousness. See, before he was so proud, he said, of the law, I was blameless. He said, but but I realized my righteousness was like filthy rags. That I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. You know, he said, what changed my life was that I realized that there was a righteousness that I could have. It was a righteousness I could never attain by my flesh or anything I could do. But God had provided righteousness for me in his son, Jesus Christ. And when I found out that it was not by my works that I could be righteous, but it was by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work, when I realized the only righteousness that was acceptable to God was the righteousness of Christ, and it would be mine through faith in Jesus Christ, he said it transformed my life. I left everything that was important to me and embraced a new life. It was a life of righteousness that was mine because I believed in Jesus, I trusted in Jesus, and I knew he made a sacrifice for me on the the cross, and I saw myself no longer in my righteousness of good works, but I saw myself in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and I was never the same again. Now, you're talking about something will set you free. Stop trying to be righteous by your good works and all the things you do. And you realize that there's nothing. You could never be good enough to get into the kingdom of God. But you repent of your sins and you ask God's forgiveness. And then you thank God that Jesus Christ is now your righteousness. The Bible says he made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You've got to remember, it's not your righteousness that gets you into heaven. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh, when Christ comes to live in us and gives us his righteousness, we choose to live a righteous life. But that's because we are righteous in Christ. And so Paul said, listen, there's some things you've got to remember. Number one, you can have no confidence in the flesh. And it's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness of God given to you through faith in Jesus Christ. There's some things you need to remember. And in verse 10, he said something. That once he realized that it was his righteousness was in Christ, he made this statement. He said that I might know him. You know, he said, I want to know Jesus better. You know, till you get to heaven, you'll need to, you need to get to know Jesus better. Brother, I know all about Jesus historically. I do too, but I'm not talking about experientially. He said, but I want to know him. I want to know him. He's my righteousness. Not by my good works, but by his death on the cross. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to know what it is to suffer with him and to be conformed to his death. So, if you're going to reach the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. There's some things you need to forget, but there's some things you need to remember. But let me go on and say this. Knowing that, 
There are some truths. Stay with me. You must know. You must believe. You must embrace. And you must obey. You see, the Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The Bible says in the last days there will be a famine. Not of bread and water, but a famine of the hearing of the word of God. And so if you're going to reach the upward call of God in Christ, there's some things you must know, some things you must believe, some things you must embrace, and you must obey. For example, Paul said that he wanted to know Jesus in the fellowship of his sufferings and be made conformable to his death. I said, all right, now, Lord, how do I get to that? How do I reach that, get to that upward call of God, the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ? And it came to me that Jesus, and this is pretty strong what Jesus said now. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, Now, if you are going to know me and to be what God created you to be, there's some, here's something you've got to believe and embrace. Look at what it says. Then he said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, can I ask you a question? I say, do you desire to follow Jesus? You say, Brother Fred, I'm sitting in church. Here I am. I'm not here just to be religious. I want to tell you something. I want to know Jesus. Man, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be what God created me to be, okay? If anyone desires to come after me, it gets pretty tough right here. Let him deny himself. Woo, that's hard to do. Deny myself. Another way of putting it, die to myself. Now, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily. You know, you have to deny yourself. It's called dying to yourself. I know that's hard to grasp, but I, you, you can see what it is in a moment. If anyone wants to come after me, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross daily. And listen, the cross is not a burden you bear. Well, I've got a cross, my wife. No way, come on, give me a break. Well, I've got a cross, it's my, my job. No, come on, man. You know what they did on a the cross? They died. When you saw a man walking down the streets of Jerusalem with a cross on his back, you need to understand that he was going to go out there and he was going to die and he was never coming back. The cross is not a burden. A cross was where people died. And so ours is a spiritual one in that we have to die to ourselves. It says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now look at this next verse. This is the key to the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. 
The tremendous truth about the Christian life is life comes out of death. You have to die to live. Now let me say that again. Life comes out of death. You have to die to live. He said, whoever seeks to save his life, I, I want to be forgiven. I want my sins to be gone. I want to go to heaven, but I'm going to say this to you. I'll see you when I get there. I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it. Zero don't work. You missed it. You missed it. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do what I want to do. And even God's not going to tell me what to do. He said, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. You're never going to know the life that I have for you. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, for my sake, you will find it. Life comes out of death. When we deny ourselves, die to ourselves, then we, instead of seeking to save our life, we lose this fleshly life and we embrace the life of Christ. And he loses his life for my sake, shall find it. And so the, the truth is this. Life comes out of death. That's the major step in understanding the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. You know, when Hitler took over Germany, he called it the Third Reich, and he had the Mein Kampf. The Lutheran Church was the state church in Germany. And Hitler, being the demonized man that he was, and that's where his wisdom and power came from, from the devil. He got the Lutheran church under the uh, iron grip of the Nazi regime. And 80, almost 90% of the Lutheran uh, ministers signed the, signed the Mein Kampf. And he had the church, no, the, the Lutheran religious body in his hip pocket. But there was a man who never got quiet, never stopped speaking against Hitler and his regime. And he's known around the world today. His biography just came out. There's probably been a film. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And you know what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said? I remember hearing this in a class in seminary back in 1961. The professor didn't even know what he was saying, but I've never forgotten it. He said, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Jesus calls you, he bids you to come and die to yourself, that he, Christ, might live his life through you. And you, 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 let me tell you something. You say to a person who has confidence in the flesh and whose religion, and he's got just enough religion, he thinks to get him into heaven, and you say to him, but I, I want to say something to you. <laughs> when Jesus bids, bids you come, when Jesus calls you, he calls you to die to yourself. Bonhoeffer came over to, from, to America for a while, but he realized he had to go back into Germany and be a part of the opposition to Hitler. And one week before the 
Germans surrendered. He was killed at the firing squad. He lost his life because he had already lost it. How can you take a man's life who's already died to himself? And he did die a martyr, but his ministry still goes on. So here's the way. This is the secret to the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. We deny ourselves. We take our place in death with Christ. And we embrace the life of Christ. Now, this, I can't improve on this. When Bertha Smith, missionary to China, taught on the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, she used a flannel board. Now, we've come a long way, hadn't we? Man, you can get on the Internet and you can stream things and video things. And I was playing with my great-granddaughter last night, and, she, and I was cutting up with her. She says, I want to video that. She's just in the first grade. And I made the mistake of letting her video it. And I'm in trouble for the rest of my life. I want her to introduce her today. She said, don't you do it. I, well, I'm, I'm not. Go Anyway. Miss Bertha, she put uh, little figures up on the board, and, 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 and she had a, a heart, and she said, now, this is where you're supposed to do. You say, you take self, and you take it off the throne. There's a little throne. I can still see it in my, you t- take self off the throne of your heart, and you put it on the cross. And she'd take Self, big eye, she called it. She'd take it off and put it on the cross. And you take Jesus, who is alive, and you put him on the throne. I said, that's pretty simple. But it sure is hard. It's hard to put I on the cross and let Jesus be king on the throne. But you know the upward call of God in Jesus Christ is, and I'm going to put this in daily life. Okay, we put this in daily life now. Well, that sounds spiritual, Brother Fred. You die to yourself. You put self on the cross. You put Jesus on the throne. Okay, so let's put it in daily life. So you're faced with the decision. And you've got a choice. Will it be self doing what I want to do the way I want to do it? even though God has told me that that's not the way for me to do it? Well, that's self. So what you got to say, no, no, I'm dying to that. I die to self. But I will do what God wants me to do. And by the way, God is not a cosmic killjoy. Did you know that? Well, i tell you one thing, Brother Fred, if I die to myself and let Jesus be on the throne of my heart, I'll never have any fun. Where did you hear that? Since when was it fun to get drunk and pass out? Since since when was it fun to live in sexual immorality? Since when was it fun to cheat and lie in business? That's not fun, that's sin. Oh, but you don't understand, I love to go to parties. That's your business as long as it's a birthday party. That's no big deal. You see, I have a choice every day, did you know that? Between self and Christ. Now, some of you men, you need to understand that there are going to be times you just got to flat deny yourself probably five times a day in order to do what your wife wants you to do. 
No, no, I'm, 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 I'm just trying to make a point. Sometimes you don't do what you want to do and you don't have your way because it's not God's will. You, you need to love your wife and understand her and you need to deny yourself and let her have Jesus on the throne of your heart. Let him have his rightful place and you treat your life with love and respect and care, but she, she's not always right. You aren't either. If your Christianity doesn't work at home, it don't work. Boy, you can be spiritual at church. Woo. But what when you go home, close the door, and pull the blinds? You know, really, denying yourself means you die to yourself. And I'll tell you, but I'll tell you something. When you let go of self, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, but it is a short season. But once God delivers you from seeking the pleasure and fulfillment of life in sin, and you find real genuine pleasure and fulfillment in the life of Christ, you've realized, man, life really does come out of death. When I lose my life and embrace the life of Christ, that's when I really start living. You say, I don't know about that. Try it. Well, the upward call of God in Jesus Christ is self on the cross, Jesus on the throne. We give up our life so he can live his life through us. Now, I've said this before, and some of you don't believe it, but I'm going to say it again, and I want you to listen. Somebody asked me one time, is the Christian life difficult? My answer was, it's impossible. It's impossible. Not one person in this room can live the Christian life in this wicked world in your own power. It didn't say, I can do all things by struggling. I can do all things by striving. I can do all things by making a New Year's resolution. What did it say? I can do all things through Christ who is my what? Strength. So this thing of dying to self and letting Jesus be Lord, you don't do it in your own power. You trust Jesus. You see, without him, he said, he said, I'm the vine, you're a branch, abide in me and I in you. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. I looked it up in the dictionary. It means nothing. Here's the last thing. You said, I don't believe it. Yeah, it is. This is the last thing. If you're going to reach the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, you've got to get to the place where you deny yourself, put it on the cross, put Jesus on the throne of your heart. He is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. 200 times in the Bible, he is called Lord. He is Lord. And so that's what it means for him to be on the throne of your heart. And so self on the cross and Jesus on the throne. And guess what happens then? The second thing that Paul said he wanted to be was that he would please God till he got to heaven. I want you to look over it, and I'm just going to show you these scriptures, and I'm going to pray. 2 Corinthians 5, the first nine verses, but I'm just, now, let me tell you what he does in the first verse. He talks about dying. We know that if our earthly house, by the way, that's your body, 
we decorate it, we put new clothes on it, and that's great. That's great. You need to look your best. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, he calls our body a tent. Some of y'all got real nice tents. It says, we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house made, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. He said, if this tent, when I fold this tent up as a follower of Jesus, I've got a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And he goes on and talks and says in that passage that uh, he really wants to go to heaven. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed from our house, which is from heaven. He said, I'd like to get that new body. If indeed being clothed, I will not be found naked. And he goes on and talks about it. For we who are in this tent groan. If you're over 60, you understand that. If the most important thing in your calendar is the doctor's appointment, you understand that. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, because we want to be unclothed. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That this mortality may be swallowed up by life. Then he goes on and says, Now he who has prepared this for this very thing, dying, who has prepared us for this is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. God's prepared us to die. And he's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that death, the enemy's been destroyed, that our last enemy's been overcome. He says, hey, the Spirit is our guarantee. We're confident, listen to this, being at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. As long as I'm in this body, I'm not with Jesus. Look at the next verse. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Then he goes on, we're confident. Are you here? We are confident, yes, well, pleased rather to be absent from the body. Even to be pleasing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul said, it's not, it's not anything I'm dreading. I'm confident. I, if it's God's will, I'll just be absent from the body and be, pre, uh, be present with the Lord. But now here was his goal. This is where, this is, if you have the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, self is on the cross and Christ is on the throne. This it is. We make it our aim. He said, this is my aim. What is it, Paul? Is it for your life? Oh, it's for life. It's for life. Whether present, I'm still on earth, or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. He said, the bottom line is, whether I live or die, my goal is, that self will be on the cross. Jesus will be on the throne. Jesus will live his life through me. And then one day, I'll be absent from the body, but my goal is until I am, I want to be well-pleasing to him. Boy, that's a great lifetime resolution, to be well-pleasing to him. So I don't know if you made any New Year's resolutions or not, but I pray that you'll seriously consider this lifetime revolution, resolution of dying to yourself, letting Jesus be the Lord of your life, and then living a life by the power 
of Christ in us that is pleasing to God by the power of the Spirit. And by the way, I said something to you men about, you know, you've got to deny yourself to be a good husband. Some of you ladies, you've got to do the same thing. I didn't want to leave you out, all right? Husbands love your wives, and it says, wives, see that you respect your husbands. Maybe I need to preach on marriage one time. Well, when my wife's not here, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> 